Hello and welcome Woo. to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Mm -hmm. Guys, we are recording live from New Orleans. We are. Yep. We're in a lovely, uh, just a beautiful house, old New Orleans house, which our limo driver told us is probably, you know, well over a hundred years old. Uh, Lee, do you want to tell us who we have to thank for that? Uh, yeah, heirloom properties, dayloom.com, um, provided our accommodations this year, and I think we owe them a huge thanks, because this is definitely the nicest rental I've ever stayed in. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, On Royale Street. Royale. We've taken our alcohol prebiotics, and we are drinking a lovely Rex Hill, um, char uh, uh, excuse me, Rex Hill champagne. Not champagne, Sparkling though. wine. Lee, how do you, how does it taste? It's lovely, very full-bodied, round. Beautiful nose, yeasty. Mm. Like a yeast infection. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to get a yeast infection from this baby. So, guys, the question comes every year. How was this year for you guys? Jeremy, go ahead. Oh, man. I, I can't remember a year I really didn't know going into when I started putting my list together what I, what I was going to win, what the order was going to be, even who really was going to be nominated. It took... It basically took sitting down for two, two plus hours with just the list, um, trying to figure this out. I, I can't remember a year where I was just like, you know, uh, I don't know, I, I don't have any runaways this year, or, or very few, that's not true, not very few runaways. I, I would say I had to make some of my toughest decisions Yeah. in terms of what made, what made my list. Um, but I don't... I, I'm hesitant to call it a great year for some reason. Well, like, do you guys I, feel, I felt like uh, there wasn't like clear runaway, like after my first like maybe couple movies, uh, everything else sort of was at this around the same level and that's what made it difficult. Oh, I, see, I, 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 I To me, I, I felt this was a very underwhelming year. Really? The top, the top is not great. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I, would I, would, I would agree. And, just to me, I, I, I thought it was not going to be easy to be worse than last year. Not to say last year was a bad year, but we had our own like little disappointments. But I would say like the top three of last year way outweighs the top three of this year. Uh, I would hmm. maybe say that. I, I would also like to discuss real quick while we can a year later how we feel what about our, our nominations. And I think we all kind of agree that worst person in the world should have won the Fixie last year for best picture. Uh, taking a little time. I, well, and I don't think it took us a lot of time to no. come to that conclusion either, but I also think, like, I don't think we should be hard on ourselves for that. Like, obviously, the, you know, the other award shows that will remain unnamed get criticized for, like, fucking up the best picture and stuff, but then you're like, years later, you're like, oh, well, this, you know, the social network was clearly the best picture, the King's Speech was not. But whatever was going on at the time, that, that went that way. And, like, you, you could argue the same circumstances arose last year for us at the Fixies. And, like, you know, the one very tangible thing we can point to is that we didn't have a podcast on Worst Person in the World. We didn't get to share our thoughts with each other. We, we learned also, that lesson. We also didn't miss, like, it's still, I think, one best actress, best one, supporting actor. Four awards, best screenplay. Best screenplay. Yeah. Like, it's still and it was cleaned up. Second, it's also, there's, like, also an Oscar history of awarding best screenplay to the actual best winner, like Pulp Fiction winning and 
That was a tough year. That was one of the best years in movies. Yeah, I'll just say that like uh, Worst Person in the World is the movie I recommend to most people from that year. Um, Okay. Uh, What's interesting is um, every year since we've returned to this and done the Fixies, the winner, and and I don't think it's going to happen this year. It could break the trend. Whatever won Best Cinematography also won Best Director and Best Picture. Okay, I don't think that's going to happen this year. I don't either. I think we should just jump in. What do you think? Want to do the first category? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's okay. Do the first category. So, um, Ooh, our I'm best, excited. Our best, our first category is best cinematography, baby. Um, and you know what? I'm hosting, so I'm going to go first. Sure. Okay. Yep. Uh, my number five is Top Gun Maverick. This was a tough one for me. Um, I who, mean, I obviously. The, uh, Claudio Miranda. The, uh... Claudio Miranda, a uh, long haired gentleman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think he works a lot with. Um, Joseph Kaczynski, who directed this. So um, they had the interesting challenge of figuring out how to film in the cockpit. And, you know, like a lot of that is there's not a ton of uh, cinematographical decisions to make. You just sort of put it in there and figure out technically how to do it. And basically what you're filming is really exciting. But it was cool. They figured out how to do it. They really made some, like, awesome choices. And while it's not, I don't think, like, a work of art, I think technically it's really brilliant. Yeah, that's technical cinematography. The the level of difficulty should be rewarded. I mean, that's how I felt, too, because there's not, like, typically we're like, okay, which one had, like, what was the most impressive one? Or, like, how how beautiful were these shots? And, like, there's some, like, cool wide shots of these planes and stuff, but, like, it's nothing you haven't seen in, like, a documentary or something, but the level of difficulty that was executed yep, there. Extra was, points for sure. Was was great. Okay, we're just going to go around the horn. Uh, my number five is Lena Sandgren for Babylon. Um, you know, I know how you guys feel about this movie. I'm sure we'll get into it more, but I think Sandgren understands Chazelle's vision and, and knows how to execute it. And like, there's this cadence to Chazelle's movies and there's this cadence to, his, to Sandgren's cinematography mm-hmm. and it just works so nicely with the movie and it flows so smoothly there's some beautiful shots there's some technically really impressive things done here i love i like the whip pan style in chazelle's movies i think that's cool well especially um, for the content of this movie in particular that really well worked. and the energy and like the pacing of this yeah. movie is so in this fast. movie about movies it's yeah. like you you don't want to ignore a camera in, yeah. in a movie about movies you to, want it to, to me be. this was the standout piece of this movie it made this movie for me yeah um I, I love the cinematography. It was so dynamic and just the way they were able to move a camera. And, and, and I, yeah, that's so interesting that you say that about um, Lena Sangren. Like he Who also did uh, Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up. Um, and uh, is that, and their collaboration I think is a great one. Just like one that I'm excited to see. I think they adapted well to the stuff they did in First Man. For and he was nominated for that, too. Nominated yep. for and that. La La Land. Uh, and La La Land. Um, well, we didn't have Fixies for La La Land, but I mean he was nominated oh, for oh. a Fixie for, yeah. for First Man. Yeah. Um, okay, so Jeremy, how about your number five? Uh, my number five is Frank Van Den Eden for Close. Uh, oh, I don't want I don't yes. want to get too much into my feelings on this movie yet, but I think for a movie that's so simple that Beautiful you have shot. to elevate the plot with the visuals this did an amazing job and it's not just the beauty of the surroundings it's actually uh the technical um achievement that he was 
was able to, I, uh, to to get here. Really intimate filmmaking. I really wanted to nominate it, but I just didn't. I, I I was almost afraid to. Like I didn't think he did enough to impress you guys. I think but. I. Oh, you were afraid of, because of uh, your the audience around us too. Yeah. <laughs> really. You should be scared of us. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I I I thought um that movie could have that movie could have been a lot grayer, duller. Um, you know, a lot different than it was, and I think he did an amazing job elevating, elevating the script. It's interesting. I didn't even think about that, but <clears throat> for sure. Okay, um, my number four is Kim Ji Young. Four. You guys will have to guess what movie decision it is. to leave. Also, my decision number four. to leave. Um, uh, can I? I'll just say that's my number three. Okay, okay so we'll get that in, right. out there. Okay. Um, just very interesting, just like the, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like the, and, and I, I feel a little bit about it with Decision to Leave, which I feel like maybe is why it's not higher, but uh, sometimes like when they people do a lot interesting new things with cinematography, it can be distracting, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit here, but so innovative, so beautiful, so just like, I mean, we've talked about the, what the Koreans are doing over there and uh, <laughs> just the look of these movies is so great and, and I think this they're movie also, they're also not afraid they're no, not afraid not at all. To like, I think they're the ballsiest yeah. filmmakers working today and these the, you know just such a really a beautiful film and uh, you know it doesn't like I think it uh, you know not to like just equate these movies because they're all Korean but you know this uh, Parasite has a very slick look that I think this movie also emulates but also um the film captures sort of like the beauty of these areas in Korea that I think are really important to the movie, and I think I, I give it a lot of credit for that. Also, I had this thought that like on set, you know, the director and the DP are talking, and we're like, well, "What if we put the shot behind the eyeball?" Yeah, let's do it. What if we that's what just I mean, throw the ballsy. camera off the? It doesn't cliff. really need to it. be done, but like, just like do it. Just let's try. And I it. just love like all the lens choices, all these different things. Like let's just do it, and he makes it work. And it, yeah, I would say it's distracting in sort of a positive cool. way, in like a cool way, in yeah. a fun way. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy. Um, yeah, that was my number four. Also. Uh, all right. Well, my number four is uh, James Friend for All Quiet on the Western Front. Now, okay. this is another just achievement. Uh, in filmmaking movie. I mean, it's like that's my number three. So. Okay, so that's your number three. Um, yeah, it's I, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, you're just putting all these elements together. Um, you you know, you're doing a lot of like a long takes, but uh, you're also, you know, using your surroundings in sort of big sprawling shots. Uh, yeah, so I, this was I, like my number six. And I don't know if I don't know if it was actually my number six, but I, I oddly had a similar issue with this that I did with 1917. And it's like, is it the cinematography or is it just like the production design? Oh, and so, like, well, it's, it's so calm. muddy and cool. I, I like, thought about 1972. Obviously, there's a comparison, Trench Warfare, World War One. I. I think this movie did it so much better. I'm sorry. Jeremy. I think it looks better for sure. But but I don't think it looks, it's not so much it looks. It's just, it's it's They do a lot of long takes like 1917, but they're not afraid to cut when they need to. And it's just, it just, you know, like it's sort of a hackney thing to say at this point, but it really just puts you. In yeah, it's immersive. Immersive, but the, don't you guys think that? Well, like, I think you're like the design you, is. Well, it's a not only thing. the design; it's like the interaction between. It's the choreography between all the people, the design, the set decoration, and the cinematography yeah. that you kind of just it's like a hard, technical it's award. It's hard yeah. to get away from the rest of it, but it's still beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
That was your number three also, Jason? Correct. We can move quickly. My number three was Claudio Miranda for Top Gun Maverick. So we talked about that. Okay. And Jeremy, your number three was... Uh, uh, Kim Jong-un. Uh, decision to leave. So yes. we are on our number two. Babylon. Lena Sangren. Uh, yeah, I mean, I already talked about it, but yes. like I, I, just, I saw this movie, and I sent it to the director of photography who I work with. I'm like, this is what we should try to do in 2023. And then he wrote back that he absolutely hated the movie and... Uh, no, he doesn't know. really know what but, he's talking about. Whatever, I think he you, appreciates it. you said you also didn't like the movie, but the cinematography was amazing. So that's the thing. Like, I, I, I think ultimately I enjoyed the movie, and I would be selective about who I recommended it to, but... Yeah. <laughs> he peaked a little there. Yeah, sorry. Went over. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Okay, my number two. All right, I... I'm very excited about my one and two. I think Chapin and I probably have the same one and two. Uh, I think you probably have one of those. My number two is Matthias Bouchard for Athena. That's my number two. Wait, my number two is Babylon. I just said that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we didn't get to talk a lot about this movie, but what like... Was it? What was it? Matthias Bouchard for Athena. Okay, and that's, that's my number one. And that's my number two. And my number one is uh, Babylon. Is Babylon. Okay, so I have Matthew a different number two? one. No, I have yeah. a different number one. We'll get to right. that in a second. Let's talk about <laughs> Athena. Um... Well, can I talk about it because it's my number one? Sure, go for it. Uh, I mean, the yeah. most impressive, for sure. Just, I mean, an incredible technical achievement, yeah. obviously. But also, just, I really thought it worked. Like, I really thought so it... So good. It, of course. It, and, and, like, look. And let's talk about what, like, we're talking about. So the movie is basically a series, uh, for those who haven't seen it, of very long takes. I mean, it starts with a 10-minute shot that travels. Incredible 10-minute must, must have traveled a mile and a half. And it was yeah. all one, really one take. No, it wasn't. Uh, the, uh, first ten, the first ten I minutes? I think it was. I think it's it was. Not, I did not see any kind of I went and rewatched it. No, they it. did it. That's the thing is they, much like, I don't think they did it as well in 1917, but in this little budget movie, they... They, they hit some cuts. They hit some cuts, but very all right, well. well. Okay, anyhow. It all counts. Um, and yeah, and then there's several more long takes after. And in in my first time watching it, I, I ended up watching it twice, which I'm really glad I did, but... Um, I was like, is this too much of a good thing? Like, are we just, is this what this movie's hanging its hat on? Is just these long takes? But well, see, that's the thing, it's, it's not true totally, though. I it's don't like, mind that. Like, I don't either, typically, but in terms of like, no, no, no. I, I, being a whole I typically product. mind it, but here, this year for me, it was like, this, like a theme of this year, if I have to figure, is, is, is people doubling down on their vision and it working. Yeah. And their, their dedication to that vision working really well. And, and you know, I'm yeah. trying to solidify my thoughts on why. Everything Everywhere All at Once didn't work for me. And I think that's part of it, is that they just didn't believe in their vision as much as these other people. But like, RRR, yeah. I just think like, these, you know, like they, we're going to do it this way and we're going we're gonna to stick to it. And I love the cinema trivia on it. And, and, and I didn't care. Like, that was what intrigued me about this movie. That made the experience of watching it. I go back to that. You're only going to see this movie once, probably. Fuck. Like, it was so moving and intriguing. And like, yes, it, it wasn't as nuanced or subtle or whatever look at this particular event. Um, but, but you know what? There's, there's emotion in this filmmaking, too. It's not yeah. all technical. Like so do you guys think that, the, I know we all saw the behind the scenes, the Netflix, did that influence this decision? Actually, no. I didn't watch, I stopped uh, watching it. I really want to watch it, but I was a little yeah. worried about that. So. I actually didn't think it did. Like, I mean, it's pretty amazing what they did. Yeah. You watch, just watching them hand off the camera and into cranes so cool. and into like it's it's pretty fun. And I think we think a lot about coordinating and um, we think a lot about that in terms of like the 1917 thing, like all the things, the mise en scène, the things that happen in front of the camera. But I think with that making of 
sort of reminds us is that the coordination of the camera, the way the camera is passed around and moved is also really important. From a, from a locations perspective, the doubling down on uh, your vision would be he hella annoying for me because what he has to do and get through is uh, pretty crazy. But, okay, all right, you uh, guys before, intrigued for my number I one. Am. Before you say your number one, can I talk about my number one? I didn't really get to talk oh, about it. Yeah. yeah, so for me, like a lot of these movies, like All Quiet, Decision to Leave, Athena, kind of like Jaden was talking about, is just like a doubling down, a going for aspiration and, and pulling it off. Whereas Babylon was, is just sort of classically perfect and beautiful, um, old Hollywood style, uh, just nailing it, getting it right. So that's why to me, it'll maybe stand the test of time a little bit more than the rest, uh, or the rest are more impressive on their technical achievement um, than on their actual perfect cinematography, which I think Babylon had and I, I it was amazing um do you guys have any guesses on my number one was it mentioned yet nope not by any of us not mentioned nope. yet. I do I do have some guesses uh what do you think so this we talked about Chazelle and Langren's collaboration I, I think that in terms of what movies look like I think this is go ahead the best and most underrated collaboration between a cinematographer and go a director ahead. right now Jaron Blaschke for the Northman um Robert Eggers the Northman which oh, looks so yeah. good and is such a intense, dark, gritty, yeah. beautiful movie. And they have a lot of the long shot thing too. A lot of long takes. The lighting is so good. I also think something that, and maybe this is a little bit more of a credit to Eggers than, than Blasky, but I'm sure he works with it, is he, he very seamlessly gets his visual effects to work with his cinematography. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Um, I love the locations are beautiful. Yes, we can do the whole like is it a beautiful setting or a beautiful shot? Yeah, but he shoots it really well. The color palette is great. They use daylight film stocks, which in my understanding is that's a relatively unique to kind of get this look. Um, and I just thought this movie looked so good. I really liked this movie. I don't understand why it kind of got like dismissed so quickly. It won't make any other nominations for me this year, but I thought it was really good, and the cinematography just blew me away in this. Okay, let's see who the winner right, wait, is. Wait, wait, wait. Before we do oh. that, it's either going to be Babylon or, or Athena. Athena. I think it's going to be Athena. We might have a couple of little slides here beforehand that okay. Bradley gives us. So, um, Stars are out in New Orleans. Oh, there you go, Chapin. Ugh. All right, Paul, Palmer and Associates. They pulled but, out the big guns to get accurate calculations, and they've sacrificed time with their families. So without further ado, on to the show. Part one. And the best cinematography winner is Athena, Athena. with 19 oh, points. Second is Sin Sangren, and then third is Decision to Leave, Kim Jin Young. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, that's I'm definitely not, happy with that. That's not going to be a disappointing one. Okay, so uh, let's move on. We're going to go around the horn here. Uh, Lee, I want you to start. We're doing, what is the next Supporting category? actor. Supporting actor. Oops, I did this in the wrong order. Okay. Um, well, this is a good transition because my number five is Sami Slamane. From Athena, uh, and he plays Kareem, who is the brother that is sort of running the riots in in Athena, and he has such an expressive face that like you're following him with no dialogue on these long shots, and you can see his sadness, his frustration, his intensity, and then he has some scenes where he breaks down. You have these scenes where he's angry, and. I just think like this was. Is he the younger brother, or older brother? Yeah, the younger yeah, brother, the one with the long hair. Yeah. And I just thought he was so good, and I I've never seen him in anything, of course, before. Um, but 
What yeah. an impressive performance. He had a he definitely had an expressive a good face yeah, for, for it. Yeah, for sure. Great yeah. face. Jeremy. Uh so I apologize if I start butchering names, which I always do, but uh mine my number five is Zlatko Burek from Triangle of oh, Sadness. Oh, I thought about this. He's the one I he's mean the him fat and, Russian. The fat Russian God, him and Woody Harrelson have maybe my favorite scenes of the year on the boat where they lock themselves in the cabin's quarters, get drunk, and then start uh, oh, was fun. talking over the mic for like, which, which is probably hours they're doing this and just <laughs> having the time of their lives while everybody else is in terror. Uh, yeah, so he, I, I had to pick one of those two He's so for this. shit. Yeah. He's so funny. Um, because... I need, we need a little levity in the performances, and uh, I loved him in it. So, uh, you know, I, lo- I love when, uh, you know, actors I've never seen before all of a sudden now have fixie nominations. So. And, Beautiful. like, I love the scene when, I don't know if this is acting or writing, but his, you know, spoiler alert, in the third act, his, he, his wife dies in the, in, when the boat sinks, and yeah. she washes up ashore, and he's, like, kissing her and loving her, and he takes off her ring yeah, and yeah. takes off her necklace and yeah, keeps yeah. them. <laughs> Love it. Okay, uh, my number five is Barry Keonan, the Banshees of Inishirin. Um, So, guys, I, I just have to admit that uh, this movie didn't. After watching it again, it did not uh, have the same effect on the on me as it did the two of you. Apologize for that. Um, but I thought he was great. We've we've always loved <laughs> Barry Keonan, um, especially when he collaborates with our dear dear lover uh, Colin Farrell. Um, Which has happened twice only, I think, right? At least, at least twice. It was Killing uh, a Sacred Lanthim- Deer. Yeah, Lanthimos movie. Yeah. Killing a Sacred Deer. And I don't know if he's done it again. We could look that up, but yeah. go on. Um, but yeah, he's so funny and interesting. And, you know, like, again, this part, like, didn't, I feel like didn't do much for the movie. Um, but I just thought he was so good. And, like, I know he's on our list of people we're watching. I mean, I him. bought so much stock in him yeah, after we, Sacred Deer. Like, yeah. I... I just think he's so, and, so talented. Yeah, we and just, also we, in uh, Dunkirk. Yeah, he's in Dunkirk. He's in Dunkirk. So he, what's his that. name? <laughs> Say, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Lord. Anyways, I can't remember. Uh, but, but we talked about him um, on is the way he to... Technically in, he technically is in the Batman. Yeah, he is yeah, in the Batman. We talked about that. Jeremy is... Oh, that's right. That is excited that he's playing the Joker, and if he plays it again, we'll be excited for that. So, Lee, what is your number four? So my number four, you guys didn't see this movie. You guys were curious if how many of these would come up. It's Rory Kinnear in Men, which is Alex Garland's movie. Now, this is unique because um, this movie, of course, stars Fixie winner Jesse Buckley. And Rory Kinnear plays 10 different characters in the movie. All but one of the men in the movie. He plays a police officer. He plays a groundskeeper. He plays this homeless person. Let's not say too much about that because I'd really like to see it. So like all Alex Garland movies, like the first hour and a half of this is fascinating, really great, and then goes totally off the rails at the end and I don't understand what happened. And not in a good way. And not in a good way and it just didn't end up working for me. But like, talk about like if, I mean obviously like this has got to be such a blast to play for Kinnear. Yeah, but like, uh, 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 look, uh, that's, he nails so many things. I don't have anything things. to say about that. I haven't seen the movie, but he was so good in that just like extremely funny yet disturbing first episode of uh, what is it called? Broken Mirror? Black Mirror? Black Mirror. Mirror. I didn't see it. Where he fucks the pig? Oh my god. I didn't watch that. But he's so good and like he's, he's like clearly some things tongue in cheek having fun with it, but he's also like really, really creepy. 
Like, there's this just unsettling nature yeah. to all of his characters. I kind of wish fascinating. That, that had been the 50th movie I watched because I, I think I, this, this category I could have used one more. So this was the one I was telling you guys. I'm like, if you can get men in, I'm like, I can't wholeheartedly recommend this movie, but I wanted you guys to see But it would have been for me better than St. Omer. Which yeah. is not going to get any nominations. Um, and Jesse Buckley's great in this too. No surprise. There's a lot of good things going. Alex Garland is a good filmmaker. He's a smart writer, but he—I don't know where he's going with his movies at the end, and it's really, really frustrates me. But Kinnear is is so much fun to watch in this movie. Great, uh, Jeremy. Um, all right, my number, my number uh, four, four, right? Yep. yep. Okay, my number four is Joel Edgerton from Thirteen Lives. You know what? I was I wanted to nominate him. He was so good. He's the he's the what's his called what's it what's it called from uh, uh, Changeling? The guy who shows up. And yeah, they're like, just oh. good at his job. Oh, yep. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not what is that now, guy's name? We never know his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. This is a movie we you know we haven't been impressed with Ron Howard recently over the years. This is a movie we watched early in the year. I didn't have much expectations going into it. Never thought it would maybe be talked about here today. But it is a movie that has absolutely stuck with me, especially the performances in it and just the story and the compelling nature of this movie and how well it was crafted. Uh, and Joel Edgerton is just, he's just pitch perfect as a guy that, you know, stays calm, is good at his job, you believe, you believe he was a real person. Uh, it's it's hard to do it's hard to do that without getting like without having those big emotional scenes or like really trying to ham it up and he the just scene, hits the tone. The perfectly. scene that sticks in my head is when he fucks when he's, up. When he oh no when he's talking to the kids and he's like oh you're number one you're going with him yeah. he's the best diver in yeah. the world all these yeah. kids don't understand English yeah and he said and they play it twice because he does it to each one and no, it's yeah, just yeah, this yeah. like calming presence and like yeah. man like. Yeah, so good. I love the scene when he fucks up and he's like, "Oh shit, I like I gave it to him too soon." And then they're like, "Okay, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with yeah, it." And yeah. like it just exemplifies God, these guys are why, so good at their job. Yeah, why that works is because he's they're all just very calm and like you just see what what it needed to happen to save these kids. Um, okay, uh, Jeremy, number 4, please. That was my number 4. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. My number 4 is Brendan Gleeson, The Banshees of Inisherin. One of my favorite actors, Brendan Gleeson. Um, and uh, he's great in this. I, I don't. Is this a supporting role? I think you could argue it's the it's a lead, but maybe. But I think um, it's supporting. We'll we'll give it to him for that. Uh, yeah, like I don't know. He's just always good. He's great in this. Um, I think I think he he has the right presence for that role. Such a just... such good presence. And like, there's something about it's a little thankless too. It is a little thankless. And there's something about him that. I love Colin Farrell in this movie too, but there's something about him. He, I think he's just his sort of experience, his like old. His, he, I mean, he's been in so many movies, and I think he's just got a little more experience than Colin Farrell. And I think he's just a little bit better at delivering that, um, you know, often very good but somewhat overwritten um, dialogue from our buddy uh, McDonough. McDonough. Right. Yeah. I. I don't know. I mean, I guess. It, it's thankless, and maybe that's where what I really feel. But definitely, like the lowest on my performance rankings of that movie. Yeah, me too. It, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't make my list. Uh, my number three is Ben Wishaw from Women Talking. Um, we talked a lot about this performance on, the, did, yeah. on the podcast. I mean, this is the best performance in that movie, uh, and I don't I think it's close. That, mm -hmm. um, 
it's it's so empathetic, so heartwarming, so heartbreaking. Like it's just like such a lovely performance. I think I just ignored any any performance on that movie because I just didn't like that movie. So uh, yeah, but I I mean I, you guys agree, right? This which oh, no, I thought he I was, think he's like I, I said in the, really in the episode. I think he is the emotional arc of the movie. The other the other yeah the other characters in it don't have much of an arc and he you just sort of see it through his eyes which is interesting because this is a movie called women talking it's directed by a woman written by a woman but we're seeing this through the eyes of a man i mean if that's intentional great well but. so that and that's how the like i told you guys that the book is written from yeah, his perspective all right well then it's the movie the doesn't really play that way but again it's i just think man i've everything i felt in that movie was from wisha and yeah, he was. He was. That's whether number, that's, that's your number three, I'm sorry. That's my number yeah. three. And whether that's the a credit to the performance, or a credit to the movie, or discredit to the movie, I don't know. But there you go. My number three is. This might be a surprise for you guys, and I nominated him last year too. He, this guy just does interesting stuff with the characters he's giving, and it's Mark Rylance from Bones and All. I thought about it. Um, I thought about it too. My heart wasn't in it. He he's just he just takes his characters and does. Something unique and something different, and makes He's the best you, part of that movie. Oh, it's so engaging Agreed. with it, and I just, I just like actors that can do that, can take and elevate something on the page the way he does it. He elevates that. Yeah, I didn't know he was in it, and then you see him. His introduction, you see him from afar. He's so good. And yeah. his his body language his presence, is totally his different. Body language, his voice. Like, oh, that's that Mark Ryland's voice, and then so this happened twice this year. The other movie it happened in was Causeway, which I didn't like at all. That's a Jennifer Lawrence movie and uh, uh, Brian yeah, Tyree Henry. I really didn't like that movie. And that movie's about Jennifer Lawrence's character and follows her, and she befriends Brian Tyree Henry's yeah. character. But I was like, his story's way more interesting. Let's watch his movie. Let's yeah. veer that way. And that's yeah. how I felt about Mark Rylance and Bones and All. I was like, let's just keep watching him. Yeah, he was. This is a much more interesting Every story. Every time he showed up, I was like, all right, now it's getting interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, my number three is uh, Gustav de Wally from Close. Uh, no, who's he? He's, he's the, the one that, boy who, the, the, yeah. The friend. The friend. The friend. Yes. Okay. Um, he was great. Yeah. Uh, again, I mean. Such a tough role. I man. think that, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, like, when I see, like, these big budget movies with terrible kid actors in it, I'm like. How does, yeah. I don't know how they got this performance out of this young man. And um, it's just pitch perfect for what it needs to be. I don't know. How, I don't have anything else to say about that. Um, yeah, I don't is, want to give too much away about the movie. I think people should seek this movie out. So you know how I said I'm, there's going to be stuff that comes up that I regret. This I wish I had put him in there. Yeah, I. Yeah, let's leave it at that for now. Okay. Um, I I thought he was fantastic, and like this movie, like the child performances are so heartbreaking. It's yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Uh, my number two. Number two. Kiwi Kwan. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, I I loved him in this movie. This was nearly my number one. Um, Chapin just almost died in his seat. I just think he brings so much emotion and like poignancy to this movie. I mean, do you want to hear something that I think is just my fault? And it's like not good, but it's my fault. I couldn't get over his voice. I we talked about that on the pod too, and I get that. And like, I think it's really unfortunate because I think that's what has been like what maybe derailed his career to a certain extent. Um. Mm. I think it worked. I, yeah, it never bothered I, me. I think it works here. Like I know I talk a lot of shit about this movie, but I I, I liked him in this film, and I was considering him for the nomination. Um, but yeah, I just I think he and he gets to play a lot of different versions of himself. Yeah, which and is he does fun. that very very well. It's fun. 
um, you know, he's a, he was, I didn't know that he's a fight. You know, he's had all these sort of machinations of his career since being short round and being in the Goonies. And one of that was being a fight coordinator in the X-Men film. Uh, and I, I think he, you know, he moves very well. Um, and I think his perform like the most successful performance of his in this film is the one that he's playing where he plays the, the husband. Yeah, and that the one we're first introduced to, and and he is kind of heartbreaking, and um, and and, and you know we talked a little bit about how the uh, on on that podcast about how those that role was inverted, so it went from being a male to a female, and mm-hmm. I think you know the the lead role is the lead role. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. So his role went from being Michelle a wife to a, to a husband, and which I think worked better, really worked better, yeah. and and he eliminated cliches, I think for sure, and he, you know, I think nailed it and you know i don't i'm not a fan a big fan of the film but um but this is my the the one nomination for it you'll you'll you won't cut my throat correct yeah that's true we actually should point out we all have knives by our side well, we're so we're pretty far away and so they're, they're oh, just to give give oh i, I have throwing knives oh cool. which is gonna okay. be great uh jeremy my number two uh it's barry keegan Keonan. Keonan. Banshees of Inisherin. I don't know what. Uh, I mean, he's just a, such a fun actor. Yeah. Like, he makes me him. laugh so much. He can just play, he can play creepy and weird and uh, just adds another element to anything written down. So, uh, I, he's I like one your of point, Chapin, that, like, what's his place in this movie? Like, if he was not in the movie, would the movie work? Yes. And I don't know, I don't know if it would entirely, but, like, his presence is so powerful. Like he's I, funny. He's heartbreaking. Like, it's but why? Just, why do we need to? Like, there's a lot of people in movies that you could cut I think out. That's a good that, well, of course. Like, but I just I hadn't thought of that, and I think that that's interesting. But like, it's not. I don't want this movie without him. It's yeah, exactly. It's not about how, the minimalist way to make a movie. I mean, you yeah. add characters and they work. So my number two, Theo Rossi from Emily the Criminal. Really? Yes. Wow. Man. I really liked him. I've uh, heard that a lot of people love. I, I thought he was fine. So I didn't know this, but he's got a pretty big role in um, Sons, of, Sons Anarchy. of Anarchy. Yeah, looks completely different. He's, he's playing. He's not very good in it. I mean, he Eastern works, but he's... person I think in this film. Um, and you're expecting him. You're expecting in that movie for him to like blow up and get really mad and kind of go a cliche way. But in fact, he kind of internalizes things. He becomes sort of submissive to. Um, Emily Aubrey Plaza, and uh, I just like you. You can. What I liked about his performances is, is the seduction of crime. Like you, I think what I liked about that film was how you see how crime can become mm-hmm. appealing, and you see it through his eyes, and it, and his way of sort of his soft manner makes cr- committing crimes seem easier. Yeah. And eventually things fall apart for him, and you see the kind of like, I don't, not, not like, I said submissive, I don't mean that. I mean, he's like, he's not as confident as you yeah. believed he was. Right, yeah, he's not like this, he's not on a pedestal right. in this movie. Right. That's interesting. That's a, I like that pick a lot. I don't know that I would have put it, but it's an interesting pick. All right, that's that that My number one is Barry Keonan. Like I said, like I, I honestly can't. So this is—I <laughs> don't know if this is how I should rank my list, 
I expected him to be higher on you guys' list, and I'm like, I can't... Number two on mine. Well, he was number five on him, so I don't know for sure that he's going to win, but I was like, I can't have him win and not be my number one, too. Like, oh, you thought it was going to be a sweep. I bought into him so early. Yeah. Um, but either way, like, this is such a great performance. So we've talked about it. Uh, not, you only have one, one more left, right? Yeah, okay. so my number one might be my favorite performance of the year. Oh, my gosh. And I haven't heard it mentioned yet. And it's, it's a guy we've mentioned. Uh, it is Colin Farrell in 13 Lives. Mm. Well, you put that as um, supporting? I did. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Did we? Did like, that's fine. That's okay. fine. I yeah. think he's a lead, but that, I think it's okay to get him in there. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was great. I mean, I just kind of put all those guys as supporting okay. in that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's like what I, everything I said about Joel Edgerton plus some. I mean, it's just the understatedness of it and the sympathy I felt for this guy. Yeah. Um, without him, I mean, he has one little breakdown scene, but he goes off to the side and he does it on his own and he doesn't want anyone else to see. Um, it's just the sense of duty. Guys too. good at their jobs. I mean, it's the sense a- of duty to get it done and his commitment to, the, to, to make this happen and to save these people. I just like this type of acting that isn't that that conveys everything you need to know without it being showy. It's hard totally. to do. It's and, very humane. Like um, you're just playing a person, oddly. And, and like, yeah, and he's like so handsome <laughs> and beautiful, and and you know he they they sort of take away the beard. They they make they kind of like ugly him down they, they a little dumb bit. Him down but a bit. he's the real protagonist of this film. Like he drives it forward. You know, he's you got Vigo being the kind of like gruff guy who doesn't think anything's going to work, and then. You know, he, uh, Colin brings up the, like, well, we could do it this way. Doesn't he, isn't he the one who's, who said, but it's, it's Vigo's idea, but Colin yeah. makes it happen. Well, he also has, like, this, the scene where she gives, the, the woman gives them both the, like, the thing that the, the priest blessed or whatever they yeah. the call him, and, and he's like, just put it in your pocket. She's looking, like, yeah. he's kind of embracing what needs to be done on the periphery as well as what needs to be, as yeah. well as the task at hand. Yeah. Whereas Vigo Mortensen is just like, we have to dive and get these people out. If I'm not coming out, I'm not going in. Mm-hmm. And Colin Farrell's looking at the bigger picture a little bit more and bringing this like humanity to the to the movie and to the role. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we didn't discuss if it was supporting or not, but I really wanted to get. I mean, this might be my favorite performance of the year, so I had to get this in at a number one. And <laughs> Jeremy's just like, where? It's Good sort question. of the Michelle Williams thing yeah. in the do you, Oscars. Do you like, guys have a performance of the year? Do you all? I have. I don't one. think I do. I do. I think this might be it. Um, okay. Maybe right. it'll reveal itself to me when... This is not it, but my number one is Same Salami from Athena. Oh, you're number one. My number wow. one. Wow, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I, thought he was, I thought he was so good. The heart of the film. I kept, it's one of those moments, and I'm sure you guys can relate, where you're watching it and you're like... I mean, so far, this is the best supporting role I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> is it going to get any better than this? I don't know. Uh, I thought he was so good. Heartbreaking. You see the anger in him. I just didn't see the the flip side enough, I think, to get it But he's on your list, isn't he? No, he's on my list. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll get you guys confused. Okay, so the winner of Best Supporting Actor. I don't even know who this is going to be. And the winner is... Barry Barry Keonan. Banshee's in On all three of our lists, I think. Yeah. Hey, Colin Farrell made the top three, though. Yeah. Well, I'm happy that Barry Keonan is a fixie winner above all else. Yeah, that's great. very exciting. Okay, what's next? Supporting actress, Jeremy. Uh, all right, another one. I always start start them off 
uh, the ones I can't pronounce. So. It's about you put them at the end. So yeah, it's like, get it over with. The... <laughs> uh, it's Thusu Madu. Oh, Thusu Mbedu? Yeah, yep. from The, the Woman, Woman King. King. Didn't see it. Sorry. This one was hard. This was, my number five was, was where I struggled here, getting somebody on this list. And she too. was really, really good in The Woman King. So what's amazing is she plays like a 12-year-old and she in looks movie, like it. and she looks like it, and, and she's she, 30. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she looks like it, and she's like our age. Uh, so good for her. I thought she was better than um, Viola Davis, I, who was also good in this movie. I, I thought they were both very good, yeah. Um, yeah, she was a standout. I don't know what else to say. It was, it's, it's, a, it's a hefty role. I mean, she has to deal with... That character deals with a lot. problem is this movie didn't wasn't hefty. Like, it was no, so safe. Yeah. It was, it was, it was... PG-13. It was like a Marvel movie that dealt with, like, serious topics. But the, yeah, but but the won't production, show the, but won't but show the production quality was, was Infinity War, you know? Yeah. So, it won't show the serious things. So, like, it's more of a credit to the actors here because as audience members, you're not given... The, you're not giving the the things you need to feel what they're going through. Yeah. The movie doesn't allow it, but the actors bring it, and that's a credit to them. Like they do a really good job of showing their pain, showing their history, and understanding what they went through without the movie doing what it needed to do to really. Yeah, it should have been rated R. Stuff. It should be like a Braveheart. It should have yeah. it should have just gone gone for it, but yep. instead it lost it. Too so. bad. All right, let's keep moving on. My number five is again with the pronunciations. Charles B. Dean for Triangle of Sadness. She plays the model, the woman. Who died. Who died. Who died. Very, I'm rest glad in peace. We got really, to really her. sad. Yeah. Um, you know, she's this beautiful woman, th- this model, um, and her, you know, her sort of big opening scene is great with her boyfriend, and I, I love her in that. But at also, the restaurant? At, well, at the restaurant and at, in the afterwards. In the like, elevator? In the elevator. And then so, in, the in the hotel later. Yeah. Um, but then... You know, she's one of the few that survives on the island, and, and she's, like, she clearly changes from this experience, and then, obviously, there's the end, which we won't talk about, but, uh, <laughs> um, but just, like, I don't know, man, I, I, this movie worked on so many levels for me, and um, I think a lot of the heart of the film is with her. Yeah, that's a, I'm glad. That's I'm a great pick. I'm really glad mentioned. we got to bring it up. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this will be, like, la- so last uh, sporting actor category we never did that was my number that was my number we had to go because we had such separate lists yeah. I wonder if that's going to happen this time <clears throat> um, well so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned her my number five is also from Triangle of Sadness now maybe an additional actress from Triangle of Sadness will come up later but I don't know but mine is Vicky Berlin who plays Paula who's kind of the head of the service team oh, yeah. on the boat <laughs> who I think okay. is so Good and so good at like doing like doing the like service industry industry professional keep your composure amongst chaos and like Especially the once, most chaos once the chaos gets great <laughs> and she's just like cleaning Excuse up me, vomit sir. and she's yeah. like yes what can I get you yeah. and she's so good and like I was laughing so hard and I'm watching this and I was like I know there's this other actress that's getting a lot of credit for this movie who is good in this but I'm like are, why are we not talking about Vicky Berlin here. Who is so funny and okay, so I want to ask you guys something, and this more pertains to the screenplay, but do you think that he, they knew when they wrote this movie who was going to end up on the island at the end? Like, when they began. 
Oh, I think I they wrote say. it and then guys like, I don't think so. Survive? This the screenplay doesn't I don't know, strike me as wrote, wrote yeah. it also. Yeah, so. I love that she's on the island because it's just like, yeah. what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, they bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Do you maintain this? Well, uh, can we continue this triangle, triangle of sadness? Sure. And I will. Uh, my number four is Dolly Day Leon. So that's the other one. That's uh, the one that's got all the credit, and she's great. She's great, I mean, but she doesn't really. She really doesn't show up until, until the, the island, island. Right. and then she kind of she. You see her briefly as one of the cleaning ladies. I mean, it closes the, the book on the theme of the movie, yeah. essentially. And then she takes over on the island. and uh, She's also know, so funny. She, she was a standout to me in a movie that just, the That's characters were so wild. That's my number four, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay, my number four is Emily DeQuinn from Close. She plays the mother, the grieving mother. Oh, God. Um, so sad. Every one of those parents, everyone, everyone in that movie yeah. had I mean, a the, scene I, I mean, the that scene they with, the, with, the, with her husband was... I should have nominated more um, in this movie. But like, yeah, I just stuff. thought she, I don't know, there's the, the, such a complex role and there's so many ways you could go with it. We should point um, out, just so Jeremy knows what movie we're talking about, this is Mighty Ducks 4. Mighty Ducks 4. <laughs> Mighty Ducks 4. Um, that's why I asked you if you could skate backwards because he has this trouble. Oh, backwards. he's young. Um, but yes, like it's a complex role. I think she handled it really, really nice. I think you could, you could have taken this over the top, um, and she doesn't so at all. So many places we could um, take. And over the and top. I think her moments uh, when she's not grieving um, are also very nice. And like at, at some point, like you can see that this is a very special relationship, not only between the two boys, but that he that the lead they've grown up together has yeah. with her. Yep. Um, Kind of like me with Jeremy's mom, like I've known her my whole life. And, and when me, I me died. And, me and Jeremy's mom have such a close relationship, Spoiler we talk right. all the time. Um, so what's interesting about this movie is like, I thought everyone was just so good, like I said, and everyone had their moment, but I felt like all those roles were somewhat, I guess the reason I kept it, I, it was hard for me to distinguish even from the Leeds mom who had a moment on the bus that she was just had so the that's talent. That's the one that stood out to me. She was so good in that, in, in the, the grieving mom and the grieving dad, like even his dad, like they all had it and it was hard for me to distinguish who was the best at what thing. So I kind of kept all the supporting off, although I wish I had put I also the think this is such good writing on. in terms of like how to portray the things that happen in this movie. That's yeah. the well, on the I, bus. Like, how do you get I into I feel that? like we want, yeah, we should get into the movie a little later, but. All right. Okay. Um, are you up, Tapin? Wait, went. you just went, right? Just My went. number four is, so there are a few performances that from this movie that I was like, which one do I give this to? And I went with Nina Haas from Tar. Um, she plays Sharon, who is Lydia oh, Tar's partner. Oh, yeah, great. Um, you know, I thought about Sophie Cower, who is the Russian cellist. I thought about Nomi Merlant. Right. Um, I think there's a parallel between this performance and her role in the movie. It's thankless. A little bit it like is, what yeah. we talked about before with Brendan Gleeson. Like, she is so pushed aside by Lydia Tarr. But you see, like, she knows what's up. Like, you see, I, I think about the scene specifically when, when Kate Blanchett is saying, like, trying to talk about we need to do a solo, we're not, we're, let's do auditions, let's not give it to the lead cellist. And Sharon's looking at her like, I know what the fuck you're up to. You want to have yeah. sex with the cellist. Like, that's why you're doing this. And, like, I just love her presence and her confidence and her, like, take no shit from Lydia's attitude. It's interesting. Like, I know your wife is named Lydia. Yes. I want to call her Tar, and I want to call her Tar the whole time. It's interesting you keep calling her Lydia Tar. I think Tar. I'm making sure that I do. Got it. Got it. Okay, yeah. Jeremy, your number three, please. 
Ooh, yeah, you guys are both not going to like this one, I think. Uh, Stephanie Sue for oh, no, every, I like it. Everything Everywhere All I at Once. Her. I thought you said you didn't weren't particularly crazy about her in this. I think My she's so around, good. I, I think, she, I mean, the problem with her as an actress is I feel like she's a bit of a neutral color in a way. Like, she, you know, if she's not trying to do it. <laughs> If she's, if she's, said something so racist. If she's not trying to do, if she's not trying to do anything special, she'll she'll kind of blend into the background. But when she is like put in a role like this, where she has to do all these different things, um, she's great. She can really well, pull it off. Could we argue that they knew that and like as oh, her I, real I, self, she is very it, neutral, and then she dresses in all these it works, costumes it works that are for, ex, it's the ex, whole idea. Of the, it's the whole yeah. idea of the character, right? Yeah. Like there's a very uh, specific casting here for her, and but the problem is there's not a lot of people that can pull off those other things that she does. I liked her in this movie. I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought she was really, really good. I've also I have to be honest, like I've liked her presence on like the award show circuit. Like she's been nominated a lot, but doesn't win, and she's yeah. very happy when everybody else wins from that movie. So um, I've enjoyed that. Chapin, you loved it too, right? Mm, no comment. Um, yeah, <laughs> on the podcast, yeah. no comment. Javen's not going to comment. He's done the podcast, I guess. He's he's checked out. Okay, what what are we on? You're on number three. Carrie Condon, the Banshees of Inisherin. Okay. That was my number two. Okay. okay. Um. Yeah, she's great in this movie. I think we we as I said on the on the podcast, I think she's kind of the heart, the emotional center of the film. Um. Yeah, I, I loved her in this, and she has such a beautiful presence. And um, She's the one that's sort of, sort of saddled with not being the funny one, you know? Like, but, the, but she has she her is, moments. She has, she has her moments. moments. For sure. She's always been dull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I loved her in this. My number three is Michelle Williams in The Fablemans. Three? Number three, yep. Oh. Um, Wait, so she was, Carrie Connor was your number three. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. he's last. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, Can you... I think this is one of the most challenging performances of the year, for sure. Not just because she's playing a real person, but like this character is so strange. And she's kind of saddled with this, like having to be this strange person, but also bring all this like humanity and heart to this movie and like all this influence to the coming of age of. Don't be shy. We got two more bobs. Of Sammy Fableman and, you know, and Steven Spielberg, so to speak. Um, Guys, I gotta admit something. Yeah. I have to admit something. The Fablemans is not on any of my list at wow. all. Wow! And I really wanted to rewatch it because I told you guys I had a very annoying screening um, of it. Um, you know, of course, Stephen didn't show up. He said he would. He's always flaking. Busy guy. But I, um, I, I love, I love her. She's such a talented actress. And as you guys know, I really dislike this character. And I think that speaks to the sort of truth and hum- humanity in her performance. Has she been nominated for Fixie before? She must have been. Must she, have, yeah. right? Or, um, I think she was nominated so for Mary. Can I bring this up now? Mary. There's yeah. uh, some data I wanted to give you guys. Okay. Michelle Williams is now the most nominated Fixie person of all time. Because of this. Because of this. This yeah. is her fifth Fixie nomination. Can you name them for us? Um, no, so I, I, can, I can pull them up. If you actually open the spreadsheet, Jeremy, you can go to the Fixie... The Fixie winners. Um, I bet I can guess. My okay. week went with Marilyn. I nominated her. I remember that. That's one. Uh, Wagons East. No. Wagons East? Wagons East. No, it's... Meek's uh, Cut Off. Meek's Cut Off. <laughs> what? Um, 
what was she in last? It was like last year or two years ago. So all so of blue, her other, blue Valentine. All of her other nominations go way back. Meeks cut off. Take this waltz. Shutter Island. So joke. five nominations. She is now the most nominated person in Fixie history. She has not won, though. Never won. Never won. This is her fifth nomination, which is incredible. Yeah. She's the Amy Adams of <laughs> yeah. Fixies. Um, and I'm with you. I, so on a couple of fronts here, I, I love her in this movie. I love her. The Fablemans is a movie that has not stayed in my heart. So to speak, like I know, it's kind it's of just... it's kind of grown in my heart. Oh, oh interesting. That's that's All good. right, well, let's leave it at that as we move forward. Yes, it's grown in my so, heart. So, Jeremy, you're uh, you're number two. Uh, we talked about it, Carrie Condon. Carrie Condon, Banshees. Uh, what I thought was the best performance in this film, Judith Ivy from Women Talking. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, she actually about her, yeah. when I looked her up, she's actually been in films for a long, long time. Yeah. So the only long thing, other thing I know group. her in is The Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate, <laughs> where she, her she plays. A very interesting, weird character. Um, like a religious do you southerner. Yeah. Do you think it's because... by the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Do you think it's because um, she brings the most heart to this movie? I think Why? so. And, and I, like, I think my biggest problem with this movie, despite it, I think, I think it's ultimately a well-written movie. It won the Oscar for Best uh, Adapted Screenplay. The dialogue is very clunky. Mm-hmm. And I think she's able to pull it off. She's the most seasoned actress in there, and she's able to pull it off in such a nice way. Which is saying a lot because there's some A plus actors yes, in yeah, the really movie. But actors, the thing but... is, it just feels very written. When you're watching it, it you it hear feels the like writing. A play. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, my number two, which I am starting to get the feeling is going to be our fixie winner, but it is Tang Wei and Decision to Leave. Oh. Ooh. It's not going to be our fixie winner. Okay, I guess not. You are uh, I have her in lead. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, so we're going to run into this. I'm surprised Shit. Brantley didn't say anything. We should have decided that early okay. on. Well. I mean, I, have, I don't have her nominated in lead, but she, I considered her as a lead. Okay. Well, we'll cross that bridge when huh. we get to it. Oh, so she's not nominated. So it no, she is. Oh. <laughs> I didn't want to give it away. All right, well, should we wait to talk about her then? Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Jeremy? Uh, my number one... We're on number one. Uh, my number one is Michelle Williams, The Fablements. Wow. So that might, she might get her fixie now. It's I mean, possible. I thought she was amazing in this movie. Like, she's just so... Yeah. She's not on my list. She's not on your list, yeah. but she's like a manic pixie dream mom. I mean, I, yeah. yeah. So, okay. To avoid these... I, I think sometimes, like, I know we hate the Oscars, but sometimes we should have to mirror what they do in... I don't know. But she okay. wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Uh, she was. No, uh, the decision to leave. Like, no, so you but... Okay, my number one, a um, little bit of a surprise, Dolly DeLeon, Triangle Sound. Okay. Oh, she could pull. So now pull. she's got two nominations. Yeah, she could pull it out. I thought she was fantastic. She's so funny. Just like Man. the most interesting part of an incredibly interesting movie. Yeah. Um, full of interesting characters. And God, like, I loved that. I loved her. I mean, th- this movie is about, obviously, the reversal of, like, sort of Yeah. It's not silent. It's like an eat the rich. It's not. Yeah. yeah. And... And she's the lowest on the low on the ship, and then they crash, and she's the most resourceful. And the and I think to the movie's credit, not being kind of like a, you know, kind of woke, whatever. She immediately sees his power, and but it uses also it goes to, to yeah. It also goes to the point of like once even once you have the power, you're still the you know you become what mm-hmm. you <laughs> despise. Yeah. Yep. My number one is Carrie Condon. I think it's the best performance in this movie. 
Um, she might win. And you, I just was she on your list? Yes. Okay. So she might go win. ahead. She was my, she was my number two. So gonna win. The winner is Carrie yeah, Condon. Oh, Michelle Williams just misses it. Well, she's six, six points, points off. Behind. That's a lot. So Banshees has won both acting categories now. Oh yeah. yeah. Which okay. is interesting. All right. Best screenplay? Last category of part one. Okay. Uh, Jeremy. Chapin, you're up, right? Oh, I'm up. Okay. Um, my number five. I really enjoyed this movie. And I don't know. I, I, I sort of had trouble understanding exactly what it was going for, but I just enjoyed the experience so much. And it is official competition. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. Too. I don't have the writers in front of in front of me. Um, I, I can, I can tell you, Andres Duprat, Gaston Duprat, and um, Mariano Cohn. The brothers Duprat um, and Marion. So, uh, what, what did you what what drew you to the screenplay there? I think. Is I mean, it's characters? obviously like a really original idea, but also the dialogue is very good, and it's a very talky movie, and it talks about these big ideas, and I think. Like, sometimes um, I feel like these Spanish movies, I've noticed it particularly in Almodovar movies, um, they tend to be very literal. And what, by that I mean, like, they talk very directly yeah. about emotions, and um, they kind of hit the nail on the head, which I think I've, at least have turned me off in Almodar, Almodovar movies. But in this film, it feels very ph- philosophical, and the way they talk, I, I just loved it. And it was so entertaining, and just like such a mindfuck, uh, and great performances. Um, really funny. Really funny, and and um, yeah, I mean, I just love that. Like, cool things like this are coming out of Spain and 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 places we don't necessarily. I mean, obviously, Spain is very well known. Almodovar, like, kind of is a little over my head. I'm not a great big fan of his. I, like, I like his movies, and but his well, at least I should say last year um, with Parallel Mothers, like his direction. Like gets in the way of the movie sometimes. I, I agree with that, and I thought I thought this movie was like very well shot. Very, I thought it was. Anyways, whatever. So Lee, I love that pick. Yeah, uh, my number five is Park Chan Wook and Chung Shio Kyung from Decision to Leave. Who wrote Decision to Leave? Um, I love the idea of like framing this like really weird, unique love story inside a police procedural. It, like good. it just gives it this accessibility, and like <coughs> it also sort of like throws off your expectations of the movie. Um, I think it's really smartly written. I love the kind of like separate chapters. Like there's these two, two mysteries that aren't really mysteries that are just like driving these characters together and like driving this totally fucked up relationship. Um, you know, I love the, the, the writing of Tang Wei's character. Like that's such, it's like a femme fatale and a black widow, like all rolled into one and like manic pixie dream girl also. Yeah. Like it's just a really interesting, interestingly written character. Supporting character the, in this movie. Um, uh, she's a lead, but yeah. Uh, see, I think it was a little too convoluted for me to, that's con- the, that, to consider. Interesting, because you're such a structure guy. Yeah, it's I, well, issue, that's why. Yeah, I, I think that is is maybe an issue. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But I also think, like, I watched this movie twice. The second time helped. There's a language barrier. There's the culture barrier we talked about. I think if you can, like, absorb this movie more, you can get past that the confusing aspects of it, and the yeah. screenplay becomes a little clearer. Uh, all right, my number five is Todd Field. This one I switched up, but Todd Field, five. yeah, is for Tar. 
Interesting. Okay. I mean, it's an amazing original story, but this I, that I really enjoyed, I enjoy, you know. But I think this one didn't stick with me as long as I thought it would after hmm. I watched it. It sort of it, it fell off a little bit for me, and I think that's why it uh, ended up at number five. Okay, my number four, Banshees of Inisherin. Um, I mean, there's just no denying uh, Martin <laughs> so I wrote, McDonough. I wrote the same thing, undeniable. <laughs> Martin McDonough is a great writer, a great playwright, as Jeremy and I know. Um, and uh, yeah, this is just a I, speaking I, of structure. I think God, like I think what's interesting is so you had I had you had decision to leave. You I had, did. You yeah. had decision to leave. This is such a simple idea, like two friends yeah. breaking up and. Being able to sort of but a simple but different and unique idea that you exa- absolutely yeah. absolutely S- simple and unique, but be able to sort of like draw out all this complexity from a simple idea, I think is really good. Like I think he just did the opposite with um, his his last awful movie, um, Three Billboards of Malikulas Estrada, um, and uh, but this movie is so simple, but there's so much complexity. Uh, you know, I. I the dialogue in this, you know, was better than Three Billboards, but <clears throat> did not quite hit the highs of In Bruges for me. Um, but that's a, that's a hard comparison. It's a, t- it's a hard like, comparison. In Bruges is one of our favorite movies like, as a collective. To- absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and, and maybe that went down more to the direction. I think, like, if you were to step back and say, you know, Colin, take that again a little more natural or whatever, that would have been better. I, this I was- disagree, though. I, I disagree with that part of it. So oh, hmm. I guess I just so. go. I guess I just go fuck myself. Yeah, go fuck you yourself. should just probably just yeah. go fuck um, But we're just I, gonna skip you for the rest like, of the picks. I, I, I love McDonough. Taven, and Taven, every time you say something bad about banshees, I'm gonna cut off one of my fingers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just don't let my fucking donkey eat it. Okay. Uh, am I up? What's my number four? You are Ruben Usland for Triangle of Sadness. Brilliant. Oh. Um, I mean, this, this movie's just like. I think if you, were, if you were to criticize the script for something, it's that it's painfully obvious what it's about. It's so fun, though. It's having fun but with it's it, like, so it doesn't matter. Well, but I also think for, like, for every sledgehammer, there's a scalpel. Like, yeah. So there's, like, there's these obvious themes, but there's also like, some really like, interesting nuance in how that theme is conveyed. And it's humor. It and does it's it with so humor. Funny. And like, I also, and this again could be a credit to his direction, and like, this is by far my favorite Ruben Uslan movie. I didn't... I, I didn't love Force Majeure or The Square, but one thing that he does is like he like pushes a scene so far past being uncomfortable, and, and like it's and partly, where it would normally end. And where it would normally end, and he does yeah. it in his writing too. That opening scene with the with the two models, it's like this argument at dinner. Now it's in the elevator. Now it's and then she leaves and then comes back and they just yeah. keep having this. And he does it with all of the uncomfortable it's, argument. It's like the the scene where the. Russian guy's wife was asking one of the people to just be in the hot tub, go in the hot it tub, just and she kept going. saying no, and he's like, no, and then it went from that to everybody on the crew had to go swimming. It's, and it's and like stuff. 40 minutes of yeah. the movie. <laughs> it's like, and I just think that stuff is so brilliant. If you, can like, do, if you can pull it off. And, and he writes and directs these movies, so I think it's important to note that he, he knows what knows he's doing. What he's doing. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Uh, all right, so this is where I think I'm going to be on an island a little bit based on what Chapin said and, and uh, how Lee agreed. Um, but my number four is Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner for The Fablemans. Uh, and the reason it's here is because I, I think that, that it somehow, 
I don't even know how this is a compliment, but it somehow pulled off being sort of cliche. Like there's a lot of like on the nose mm-hmm. dialogue sort of scenes you've seen before with bullies and like things like that that it it works here. It I works. Think a how much for of that, that is that Spielberg's we, direction? A lot probably. Yeah. And we can get to that. But um Uh-oh. also Tony Kushner is you know, a brilliant, a brilliant writer. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think they they again knew it's what like, they were doing. Spielberg, it's not fair. It's like let me just call up the greatest yeah. writing yeah. playwright to help me write my autobiography. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, well, suppose if you believe the stories, it's Kushner that was pushing Spielberg to right. write this I didn't, for years. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, here it is. He already had it done. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me just. Uh, there you go. Can you punch it up a little bit, Kushner? Like I just happen to have notes on my yeah. whole life. If you could <laughs> clean this up. <clears throat> okay. Uh, is that my turn? Yes, sir. What am I on? Three. Decision to leave. Again, I thought just an expertly crafted screenplay, the structure, the tone, blah, blah, blah. But we talked about it, so moving on. My number three is especially for you, babes. Yep. Daniel Kwan, Daniel Shiner, everything, everywhere, all at That's once. That's my number three as well. So clever, so smart, so inventive. I mean, you've got to admit, Chapin, it's unique and different. Yeah, like, I like nothing the, I like the script. To, I like the script. To to be able to pull this off because it doesn't make any sense. Like, but there's great exposition. Again, really I think well I think exposition. I think they didn't they didn't believe in their vision. They didn't believe in their vision, well, and they wrote th- it. But they wrote thoroughly it. enough. I yeah, yeah, say, thoroughly yeah. enough. Okay, and I, I I don't I don't want to discredit that opinion, but in terms of just the screenplay, like I do. This I stuff think is they necessary in their vision, like to get that's it a to direction it. thing. Anyways, yeah, this stuff is necessary when it comes to like making original movies now is like you have to go beyond like even outside the box you have to like try to pull all of these different things together to and like the reason everything everywhere was so little theme music for the little new orleans theme music for the pod that's right outside our window um the reason this movie was so successful is because it pulled so many things that people love and put them together in one yeah, place. And, and to the credit of the screenplay and, and the direction, I, I, it, that wasn't obvious to me on the first go-around. Like, I, I usually like movie influences in it. I think had I picked up on those influences, I would have been annoyed. Yeah. But I, I thought it was that aspect of it was well executed. Jeremy, please, let's, let's uh, <laughs> get off of this. <laughs> well, his number three is just go and do the whole thing. Number three. Same as yours. Oh, okay. Yeah, just make so them sit you've through said, it. You've said what you're going to say about it, okay? Okay, I was going to make you make him sit through my more. number two triangle of sadness. Uh, such a innovative, interesting idea. I, I think I'm glad that it's high on your list too. And I'm, I'm it's not on. It's my what, number two. Number two. Oh, great. Oh, Perfect. Boy. All right. I, I think this goes back a lot to um, don't look up, which is why I'm, in, I'm intrigued. It's on yours. And I think it's done better than don't look up, but like the sledgehammer idea, like, you know what? We're going to be pretty clear here what we're trying to do. And we're going to use, um, humor you know, and sarcasm, and we're going to use, what am I looking for? Um, what's hum- the, humor. Allegory, humor, metaphor, whatever. Yeah, but also, uh, what's the, the lowest form of wit? Sarcasm. Oh, parody? No. Sarcasm. Uh, 
And so I haven't gotten it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm on my third champagne. I should blow, actually. Actually, we um, should do some blows. After after we finish the <clears throat> So, okay. but it, like... Well, that's the last category. Yeah. And, yeah, and you've got that scene. I mean, this like, it's just so well written. Like, I, I, when I think about this movie, I don't think about the scene of the two guys and the, of Woody Harrelson and the Russian guy in the, in the cabin, but that's such a well-written scene. Yeah. Like, but it's also, so, it's a great example. It's such an obvious one. The it, communism it, versus... But what's also, socialism. here's the subtle Capitalism, part. Here's the scalpel part about it. Yeah, one guy is communist versus one guy is a capitalist. And they start out with like quoting stuff that they know off the top of their head, but then they don't know anymore. Yeah, so they're both Googling yeah. different quotes to go at, like, go it's at so each good. other, and, like, and then they go, oh, that's a good one, and then, like... And look, like, the, the Eat the Rich theme, all this, the, like, this is so popular, right? The Menu is another movie this year that did the same thing. Paris, Literally yeah. Eat the Rich type of, type of movie. Terribly. Let's, White, let's White Lotus terribly. is... White Lotus, which yeah. I think is a really good show, has had two seasons of this. But this movie... Nails it, but like, I think it goes beyond so that well. because because of because of what happens after the shipwreck. Yeah, uh, I think it goes beyond that. I think it's more about like if you had to write it in like two words, like power corrupts. Yeah, right. Yeah. So so here's a question for it. So that's my number two as well. Um, what what do you guys think about the sort of structure of it? Because it starts out I a movie about chapters. two people. And that goes on for a while. And then these two people go onto a boat and it follows them on the boat. We're Only with for them. a little bit. We're you with them, them for a bit. And then all of a sudden, I remember the exact moment. They're at lunch. They're telling the old Russian guy that they're influencers. And that's how. And then it just, the camera, for no reason, pans to another table with the British people who make grenades. And oh my God, people. that scene was so funny. And the, yeah. when, they, when they changed those laws, that really yeah. hurt us. We couldn't sell landmines anymore. Yeah. That's it. There's no, there's just a pans over to that, and now we're on to something else. And it, then it becomes... Yeah, and Harry the, Dickinson yeah. and... Uh, I'm, what is the actress's name? I can't... That, that passed away. Um, Charles Char- 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 B. Yeah. 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 So um, they obviously come they're back. They're like out of the movie for yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So And it's not like... It's, it's just like, here, oh, we're just going to move over here. It's a very clear three-act structure. Yeah. I like it a lot. I think it's brilliantly structured. Okay. Um, on to number one. Wait, no. You're on your number two? I just that did was that. was Triangle Sadness. Yeah. No, oh, his sorry, number your, two. Your number two. I did Triangle Sadness. Oh, so we need Sand. my number two, which yeah. is Banshees. Of in, in, Banshees of Inish Aaron. Okay. Um, which I, I kind of said the same things as you. This I is think like, you and I probably have the same number we one. We sort of all knew that Banshees was going to be a screenplay contender, and it was. Like it's, it's, yep. That's his biggest strength, is his writing. I mean, it's my number one. Okay. okay. I Banshees you and I is my number one. And I, I don't... And I think it's a far and away number one. Like It's the smartest, most sophisticated, most complicated, thought-out script of the year. It's Todd Field for Tar. Correct. That's the correct pick. I don't think that is the correct pick, guys. Yours is number five? It's number five for me. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the creation of the Lydia Tarr character alone yes, should win but that's best half screenplay. Kate Blanchett. Um, Maybe. I disagree with that. But uh, look, I think this is such a... Like, it's... And I, well, we'll talk about it when we get to director, I guess. But, um, like, the, I think this is the, the most... In the sort of you know, highbrow arena of critics, the most talked about, written about film of the year. And I think it's just that innate construction of that movie. But look, like, okay, like McDonough and Banshees is way more up my alley for what I like as writing than, than Todd Field's Tar is. Like, I get the idea of her character being iconic and doing this sort of... Power. I think that's only, saying, like it, it okay, works but, really but well. But I think but, that's only like one of a, so many things in this movie that are interesting. Like 
I think that's what's amazing about this movie <clears throat> is you can go down so many alleys and they're all so well written and so thought out and so sophisticated. And like the 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 nuances of this screenplay and its character, like the way that she talks, the way that she tries to be pretentious for pretentious sake, like all of this stuff is written. And you can credit Kate Blanchett for a lot of things, but it's so smart. Without her, that... The thing is, one thing I I like about McDonough is that you leave the movie and you know what he was doing. He's a very intentional writer. I think he has some room to grow as a director, but with Tar, you leave thinking about it. And this film, I just thought about more than any other film of the year. It, It helped that it was written about a lot, but also just like... You know, watch it twice. You you recommended it first, and and I did. I and watch it fifty times, honestly. And <laughs> there's so much subtlety, and it's such a just yeah. such an original sort of like idea that you wouldn't have thought about. Like this, this is something that I think like my mom, for example, would like finds interesting. Like conductors, like it's not something I ever think yeah. about. But there's some people where this is a world where these people are so important, and but. Um, Anyways, I just, yeah. And what else I think about like that is like the conducting piece, right? Like in a, in a, you know, allegorical, you know, deep type of screenplay, you're like, okay, like, well, this is, this is the MacGuffin, right? Like the, the conductor piece. Like we have, this is her job, but it means different things. I think the writing of the conducting piece is also just like really well done. And like the research that he did to this, the language that they use, the processes, is all really well written into this movie and isn't just there to serve other purposes, which is another credit to it. I mean, this movie just didn't stick with me after I saw it. So, oh man, we're gonna, gonna have to see. I think this is. I don't know be what's gonna break, win here. The break of us. Triangle Sadness was on all of our lists, and yeah. is that the only uh, and Banshees? Okay, let's, let's see. see. Best screenplay winner, and the winner is via the third tiebreaker. Whoa. Wait, how was that done? Oh, Tar. Wins on third tiebreaker for appearing in first First place on two lists. Wow, Banshee's also had the same amount of points, but was only first place on one of the lists. And Triangle Sadness, 16 points. This is by far the closest we've ever had. Wow. Wow, I think it's a great list, though. I mean, you could split this with Banshee's almost. I mean, I'm looking at my top five here, and I have... Everything, everywhere, all at once. Third, Triangle of Sadness. Fourth, but those top three: Tar, Banshees, and Triangle of Sadness. Feels feels right. right. Hey, right so no fixes yet three. for everything, everywhere, all at once. Well, well that's going to do it, point it out. for this. Actually, guys, yeah, hour and fifteen minutes. No, it's Are like a kidding? very quick. Yeah, but we still got one. the big, the big we boys. Do. We do, yeah. but but part one's good. That'll do it for this very, the most special edition of the Get Your Film Fixed Podcast, except for the one that's coming to you next week. Uh, The real winners, the big awards. But thank you so much for joining us from New Orleans, the Get Your Film Fixed Podcast. Jeremy Lee, woo, good job. We're going to open another bottle of champagne. We've only gone through one. That's not bad. I think I've had most of it the way I feel. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.
Sea, to the sea, to the upper 